Welcome to Habitual Excellence, presented by Value Capture. This podcast in our firm is all about helping you and your organization achieve habitual excellence via one unifying focus, one value-based structure, and one performance system. In other words, it's about helping you capture dramatically more value through achieving perfect care and perfect safety for patients and staff. To learn more about Value Capture and our services, visit www.valuecapturellc.com. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to Habitual Excellence. I'm Mark Graven. Our guest today is Lou Shapiro. He is the president and CEO of the Hospital for Special Surgery, or HSS. He served in this role since October 2006. And under his leadership, HSS has experienced significant growth an expansion of facilities and recognition as the world leader in its specialty areas of orthopedics, rheumatology, and related disciplines. So we'll have a chance to, to learn more of the, the how and the, the why from Lou today. He has more than 30 years of healthcare experience. He has been executive vice president and chief operating officer of Geisinger Health System in Pennsylvania, and he was a leader in the healthcare practice at McKinsey & Company. He began his career at Allegheny General Hospital in Pittsburgh, where he served in a number of capacities. Uh, so Lou, welcome to the podcast. And you, you share some Pittsburgh roots with uh, most of the team at Value Capture, it seems. Yeah, that's um, that's my hometown, for sure. Hometown, uh, university, start of your career. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, mean I, 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 I wasn't born there. I was born in Ohio, but I grew up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, worked there up until about you know, 20 years ago. So, you know, all schools, high school, undergraduate, graduate, first job, second job, third job. Yeah. Until, yeah. until, until I moved, um, started moving east. Yes. And HSS is completely located now within, in New York City is where, you, where you've been for a while now. Yeah. HSS, as, as I think you described, HSS is a, um, academic medical center that's focused on you know one area of healthcare and our area is musculoskeletal health which is you know, orthopedics here it includes rheumatology and all the related fields of medicine that support that and um, we're independent um, we're not part of any other system and our um, core markets are New York New Jersey Connecticut and Florida so we're physically in four states. We serve patients from all 50 states. Pre, pre-pandemic, serve patients from all 50 states in about, about 80 countries each year. And that part of our business is um, you're probably 75% back and growing. Yeah. yeah, so people being willing to travel to HSS. I mean, uh, that can you walk us through how that comes to be in terms of results leading to reputation, leading to people being willing to leave their local area for certain procedures. Yeah. Um, so you know, healthcare is local. People want to um, avail themselves of the best healthcare they can. And, you know, ideally, you don't want to travel far to get it because it's complicated and it's, it's you know, it's hard. It's hard um, when you're not feeling the way you need to be feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, on the other hand, um, in some circumstances, 
if you want what you perceive to be the very best, there has to be enough of a distinction where you're willing to, you know, go to greater lengths to receive it. Yeah. And you know, HSS, um, this coming May, HSS will be um, celebrating its 160th year anniversary mm. um, of, our, of our founding. And for that entire 160 years, we've been focused on musculoskeletal health and have just been, you know, uh, focused on that. And when I say academic medical center, that means patient care, teaching and research. And if you're an academic medical center, you need to attract the kinds of talent that want to be in an academic medical center environment, always sort of pushing the envelope. And we've built this. This has been built over the course of time. And, you know, for a long, for a very significant part of our history, HSS was small. It really only started growing in the mid-90s. And, you know, we're to the point now where we're you know, about a $2 billion revenue organization, which is, you know, it's just a number, but it does indicate some, some scale. And, you know, as a consequence of our focus, we have the privilege of only focusing on one part of healthcare. We don't have to worry about the other 20 or 30 parts that a general hospital or a more diversified health system would have. So, you know, pretty focused, doing it for a long time, talented people, culture, systems, everything geared towards this patient mm-hmm. population from health and wellness to making sure that the care that's provided when they have a problem is at the top and then what they need after. We've just gotten pretty good at it and have earned the reputation through our results. So people make informed decisions about wanting to come here. And you know, even in our core market, every single person that's treated here receives all of their other healthcare needs that aren't musculoskeletal in another health system that also does what we do. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. So, all right, I got a problem. I want to go to the best, pick HSS, whether they live in Manhattan or California or, um, you know, wherever they may come from in another country. And so we'll we'll have a chance to take a deeper dive into some of the methods, uh, like I said, around process and culture. You know, on the HSS website, when you t- the, there's a page about results, and it doesn't just share great results, it starts to break down, you know, it's kind of at a high level. Well, here's how we do it. So I guess, you know, one question for you would be, how much does this competition now of, let's say, you know, a local health system is losing some number of patients to you? Do they make excuses for that? Do they start looking to organizations like yours? Like, Does that new, does that competition drive others to get better? Are you seeing much of that or what would you suspect is happening? Oh, I, I, I think that every health system is trying to get better. I don't really, you know, compare ourselves to anyone else. I try to compare our performance to what it was and make sure it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you see that in the data. There's not a health system out there, I don't think, 
that's not trying to get better at everything they do. And every health system wants to take care of as much of their patient population's needs as possible and wants to attract as much um, market share as they can. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, you know, I sort of feel, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of new value-based models of care delivery bundles, narrow networks, all those kinds of things that's sort of forcing people in one way or another, either forcing them into a direction of, that's because it's lower cost or forcing them in a direction that may be higher quality. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Um, my goal is to, and we may do some of the, you know, that kind of stuff as well, but my goal is to provide people with enough information where they can make an informed decision about whether or not they want to come here for care. Right. If you have a problem, I don't really care where you go. I just, I don't want you to not come here out of ignorance. I want you to have enough information about our value, our quality, patient experience, um, outcomes over the cost of care. So you can decide, yeah, I want to go to HSS or I want to go somewhere else. And so when it comes to making that informed decision, um, it seems like HSS shares quite a bit of data online, whether people go to look for it or not, whether patients even think to go look for it. I mean, it seems to be a fairly common assumption when I think of friends or family who have gotten, let's say, joint replacement surgeries. I, I, I think there's sort of this assumption of like, well, everyone's equally good and I like that doctor, so I'll go where the doctor says. Do, do other organizations make as much data available for us to really make a good comparison of, let's say, post-op infection? I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I wouldn't consider myself a student of everyone's data strategy. Sure. But I do, I do know enough and hang around enough with my colleagues that everyone's doing a version of what we're doing, sharing information, mm -hmm. helping people make decisions. Outside organizations do the same thing. Mm -hmm. U.S. News doesn't do what they do so I can advertise for number one. Mm -hmm. They do what they do to help, in theory, to help consumers make informed decisions. And there's unlimited number of organizations that are trying to do it. The government does that. Um, uh, proprietary organizations do that. Uh, Nonprofit organizations do that. Institutions themselves do that. One of the things that we try to do, and we have it on our website, and it is um, modeled after what I think is called the um, Maroni sticker for cars, right? So you go to, you know, car, it tells you all the stuff you get, safety, yeah. energy efficiency, you know, the cost, and you can compare a to B to C. It's standardized. So, yeah. So, so, so we have produced a um, a report card, a reliability report card that measures things that should be inputs into your decision mm -hmm. um, that are obviously quality related, and then cost related as well. So if you need if you need your back fixed or your hip replaced, you should be able to say, 
okay, and go to HSS, and then you try to line up the others and compare. The system is not standardized enough right. for consumers to do it. It's super complicated, right? So right. your word of mouth is really important. And, you know, at some level, at some level, I think one of the, you know, one of the concerns that I have about where the industry is heading is I think it will be a sad day if too much of healthcare becomes a commodity, mm-hmm. meaning the most convenient and the lowest cost is how decisions are made. And you um, want to make sure that um, quality and outcomes is always front and center because you can always get something cheaper anywhere. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's better. Yeah. And listen, I think we we're just we're privileged to be, and it's a function of our history. We're privileged to be able to only have to do one thing. Mm. And now we do that. You know, musculoskeletal healthcare is very broad. Mm-hmm. There's many subspecialties within there, and many many specialties of medicine that contribute to that. So it's still a lot. But it's just one dimension of healthcare specialization. Mm-hmm. Specialization does lead to being better. So I was going to ask you how much of that. Oh, I'm sorry. I think you think. Well, so I was going to ask you how much of that is a factor. Like when you look at the success of uh, this, this could be outdated information. But the 13 consecutive years of being rated number one in the country for what you do is that. Is there a fourteenth year yet, or or maybe coming? Well, that would be next. That would be next okay. year. But yes, thirteen. Okay, it is thirteen. Sometimes these things uh, get a year or something out of date when you when you oh. find the references to them. But when you, when you look at, I mean, to your point, I agree. Everyone's trying, but when you look at, let's say, you know, your results: low infection rates, low complication rates. Um, at least the latest data I saw: twelve consecutive months without clabsies, twelve consecutive months without cauties. Everyone's trying, but not everyone's delivering those results. So there's a couple of questions come to mind. One is like, how much of those results are driven by focus? Or if somebody wove a magic wand and suddenly you were a, a big, typical, independent general hospital, would the same approach to quality and leadership and engaging people drive similar results more broadly? I don't know it's a thought experiment, but what, what would you expect? Well, it's a good question. That would require an experiment to know what would happen, but but, right. but um, I would say that every institution has worked hard to get better. Every institution is getting better, and there are extraordinary healthcare organizations across the nation um, that may occupy you know, positions on, you know, on rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think there, there is, there, there is, there is a distinction. So um, I don't think you could replicate it in a general hospital. Mm-hmm. I think you could in a general hospital in a general in a health system that organizes in a unique way for specialization mm. could probably could probably get there right i mean but one of the things that i'm 
you know, I believe is one, um, you need to recruit talented people, mm-hmm. right? And I can only speak to speak to HSS, not anywhere else. The very best work here. Mm. I mean, it you know, it's a talent rich organization. Yeah. Um, I have to add, with the exception of some people in in, in leadership, me included. So <laughs> I weigh the average down. But you know, it's a te- talent. You know, it's talent, mm-hmm. um, and that's been a historical continuous focus. That doesn't mean there's not talented people. And, you know, everywhere. I'm just saying it's a the bell-shaped curve here is you know way way on the right side, mm-hmm. and you know we we have the the ability to do that for a lot of reasons related to our history and our um, academic programs, and and that we have prioritized kept that at the top. The other thing that um, is um, distinctive and and. I, I always, I, I never want that to sound arrogant. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. we focus on tap, you know, talent. Yeah. Second thing that I believe that is replicable is um, a commitment to culture. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that culture does not eat strategy for lunch, mm. as they say. Mm, I believe that. I believe that. What's that? So what, why is that? Sorry. You were about to tell me and I, I can I, my mistake. Okay. I believe that culture is a strategy. It doesn't eat strategy. It is a strategy that if deployed correctly, can allow an organization to attain a level of performance that otherwise is not attainable. Mm-hmm. Right? So. You know, creating an environment where everyone who works here, whether they are a nurse, a surgeon, a scientist, a technologist, a therapist, um, work in the back office for billing, um, environmental services, maintenance, where everyone feels that they are responsible for the organization's success. Mm-hmm. And you have an environment that helps them feel that, that, that allows them to feel that way. Right. And if it's not super complicated, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's not like doing surgery. You know, there's some basic elements that if you really believe that that is important and you really behave in a way that matches how you think of its importance and it finds its way into the DNA of the organization. It just it takes you from one notch to the next notch, sure. and sure. that is sort of like you, you have footballs on your behind you. There, it's like it's not a game, but you know the the difference between winning and losing sometimes can be razor thin. Right. And culture is like adding a dose of jet fuel into the organization and raises it. Yeah, I think anyone can do that. Um, I mean, we do it in the middle of one of the most complicated cities from every perspective in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think anyway. Yeah. Well, and, so we, we 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 might agree, or tell me if you disagree. So if if we had 
two teams, whether football teams or, or hospitals or orthopedic surgery centers, with people of the same talent level, the one with the better culture is going to outperform the organization that's more dysfunctional, infighting, there's not alignment, people aren't feeling engaged. I mean, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're being, you know, humble here, Lou, but, you know, I'll point out, um, you know, it, 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 Gallup surveys, employee engagement scores. Um, I lost it on my screen here, but there's been quite a, there at least a couple of times where here we go. Um, HS, HSS has gotten the prestigious Gallup Great Workplace Award twice for the most engaged workplaces in, in, in the world. So you say everyone can do it. Not everybody is. What, what are some of the things they should be doing or could be doing to create that engagement and alignment that, that you speak of and you get awards for? I mean, look, um, you, you, you have to decide what's important to you as an organization or as a leader and make sure you're organized to deliver on that importance. Right. You know, I just generally believe that no one needs to come to HSS. No one needs to come here. People come here because they choose to come here. Right. So if we're not better, then no one's <laughs> like, why would they why, why would they come here? So I, I feel that that there's nothing we do that we do good enough and everything we do, we can be better mm-hmm. at it, um, including our um, efficiency. Right. You know, this is I don't like to use the word factory because it's impersonal, but we are a focused factory Mm -hmm. Um, who has a net promoter score of 94. Right. So people feel 94 net promoter score. Yeah. Um, And, um, you know, everything needs to work together. And it's high volume, high throughput. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do one percent of all joint replacements in the United States, in this building I'm sitting in right now. Wow. And they're in and out, in and out, in and out, right? And they feel like they're not on an assembly line. They're getting great care, mm-hmm. compassionate care, um, great experience, great outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not efficient, and especially in this environment that we're in, which is a price-constrained, inflationary cost environment, Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Expenses go up. Prices don't go up. Yeah. Um, you yeah. need to be efficient. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there can't be any waste in the system. Yeah. Right. Because waste is wasting money um, or not the right care or having the patient go or staff go through things that aren't adding value mm-hmm. to the outcome. And, um, you know, you got to you got to do all those things at the same time. Right. Uh, and depending on the kind of organization you are, same time of serving the community, making yourself accessible, teaching, research, innovation. But in any of those environments, um, if you're a healthcare delivery organization, the core is taking care of that patient because the patient, that patient only cares about their experience right. and their outcomes. Right. Well, there, there's it seems like a similar line in a line of thinking to that of uh, the late Paul O'Neill, who was you know CEO at Alcoa. He's been deeply influential to everybody at Value Capture, and even back to his days in Alcoa. And then he tried teaching this in healthcare. This idea of breaking down the old assumptions of trade-offs. I started my career in the auto industry, and around Detroit, it was assumed 
better quality costs more. And we, and we, I think very often hear people in, in healthcare, either saying that or, or, or taking actions based on that assumption. And, and, and I love how you're pointing out that better flow, faster care can also be more caring care, higher quality care, safer care. Just, I mean, how, how much does just a belief that you can accomplish all those things at the same time? How, how, do, how do those goals then influence the organization and say, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to work at it. We are going to deliver all of those results. How, is, how much of it is the mindset of just saying, we're, we're not oh, yeah. going to accept those trade-offs. I should have framed it as better as- Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I got it. You know, I mean, look, um, everyone is different. Every organization is different. Leaders aren't necessarily different, but um, you know, I, HSS, at least modern day, did decide to be where we are, where, where we are, because that's, we've been, we've been here. So you got to play the cards you dealt mm-hmm. as, as well as you can. And I think that belief is, belief system is um, accurate. Um, that doesn't mean everyone can be the same, but everyone can be better. And, and um, you deliver on whatever their brand promise is mm-hmm. and always improve that always improve that over time um you know for sure yeah sure uh, but you know, back to one of the things you said um quality doesn't need to be more expensive it depends you know it's very important how you measure things mm-hmm. right so you cannot measure things on a unit of service basis the cost of producing a um, can of that Pepsi is held in that's aluminum is starts in the wherever Alcoa mined their aluminum from, right? It's uh-huh. the care over an episode, right? If you just say, oh, an x-ray at place A is cheaper than at place B, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. You're missing the point. Um, and you know, we—I was in a discussion. I think it was this, this morning about the number of people that come here for a second opinion is very high, mm-hmm. and the number of people that come here for a second opinion, where their first opinion was that they needed surgery to fix their problem. And we, our, our staff said, no, need conservative care mm-hmm. first. That's also a high number. So you can't just look at what's the spine surgery at place A and spine surgery cost at place B, because the place that spine surgery may cost more, and I'm not saying if it does or doesn't here, but the place that it's more expensive for the surgery may have a lower population cost because, you know, 25 out of a hundred people didn't have surgery when they may have had it in some other. It does. Right. So not, not just getting, um, doing more surgeries to bring the cost of surgery down, but you've got to include the cost avoided by not doing the surgery. Measuring quality and cost is not a simple. Ah. easier conceptually than in practice. And uh, 
you know, so, uh, you know, yeah, and, and just to, I just want to just um, put an exclamation point on this. If we're, if the industry is not careful, it'll be a commodity. Mm-hmm. It'll be a commodity. Yeah. Price, convenience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not cost of care. So maybe with the, the time we have left, Lou, um, you know, it seems like, you, you know, and, and I appreciate this, you're comparing yourself against yourself and how HHS has performed and how you could perform. So I'll, I'll stop asking you to compare to other organizations where we can dive into what you do there. And, you know, one one thing, um, you know, Ken Siegel suggested I ask you about was, you know, the, the way in which you stay connected to how the work is done as CEO. Like, could you share a little bit about you know how 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 you make sure you know what's what's really happening in in your workplace. The bigger you get, the harder it is. But the bigger you get, the more important it is. So you need to find ways to do it. Um, so one, you need to make sure that you're not the only one doing it; that your team is doing it as well. Um, but what I do um, specifically is, you know, I have. Um, Four every month, I have four or five. They used to be breakfast meetings, but now they're virtual. Meet with new employees their first day mm-hmm. as part of their orientation. Talk to them for about 30 minutes. And then three to six months later, they come back and we have an hour meeting with them. And then every month, and those could be you know, larger groups. Um, then every month, I'm meeting with you know, about a dozen to 15 frontline employees. And every month, a meeting with a dozen or 15 frontline managers. Um, and that's, um, so that's, you're keeping your pulse on things and having, these are, these meetings are sort of open discussion-oriented things, right? So, you know, sessions, it's not, it's, like we're sitting around a table talking and then you have know, structured, you know, putting time on my schedule, like you put time in your schedule to exercise, you know, just you know, walking around and being, you know, being visible and being accessible, being accessible. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that we started during the pandemic is live streams. Um, so we have, we did them every day, and you know, now we do them. Um, I think every every three weeks. These are live streams that are open to everyone, and we talk about whatever's going on, and we leave half the time for questions, and people can put their questions in a chat room. So you can submit a question mark with your name or without your name. And everyone else can see the question that you're asking. So there's no, no hiding. So it's a, you know, trying to create an authentic, accessible, transparent environment so that everyone feels like they're part of the team and is part of the team. Yeah. An equal part of the team. An equal part of the team. So you, you, you talked a little while ago about, you know, culture as a strategy. You know, Ken Siegel, you know, one of his observations was that you you focus on excellence as a strategy. Does that do would, would you agree with his assessment? Is that is excellence a goal or an outcome or both? Yeah. Um, 
We were, I, I just um, had a meeting with um, our team that's leading our culture as strategy effort. And we were talking about, you know, how we define culture. Um, some people describe HSS as a culture of excellence. I mean, everyone wants to be excellent, right? I mean, so, yeah, I mean, there's an expectation that, you know, we're perfect, even though we're not anywhere near that. So it's always striving to be better. Yeah, I mean, we don't like talking about that a lot that way, but um, I think so. Yeah. Well, so how, actually, how, how, I, I, I take that back. I'm looking at my wall, and that we on the roadmap, we have our values. But what I mean, one of our values is excellence. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but that's you know that that's sort of the you know the the DNA of the organization. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you, you you talk about, and I appreciate any admission when people say, "Well, we're not perfect, but we're working at, we're working toward it. We're still we're still getting there." I mean, do you, you know some people talk about zero harm or zero infections as a goal? Do you talk about that explicitly, or do you look for zero infections to again be an outcome of your culture and an outcome of how you're doing your work? Uh, I mean, both. I mean, we we have. Um... I don't know how many, but we have, I think, you know, 300 or last time I was involved in hearing about the quantification of it, 300 things we measure that are, you know, quality value related. Um, and that obviously gets truncated down depending upon the level where we are in the organization, but that's the full dashboard. And, you know, everything has, um, you know, current performance, a trended performance a benchmark and a goal associated with it. And every year we set the goal higher. Obviously we want zero avoidable anything that's bad. Zero, zero injuries, zero infections, zero complications, right? Um, you know, zero dissatisfied patients, but that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, and whether we set the goal at zero or not, we do have actual trended benchmark base that gets, you know, ratcheted up every yeah. year. Yeah. Well, when you say, you know, it's hard to have zero dissatisfied patients with an NPS of 94, that's, that's pretty close. Well, yeah. We could be a lot better. We could be a lot better. Well, I think that's that's an, an, an inspiring, Lou. So maybe we'll 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 leave it at that. But you know, I really appreciate you for uh, for sharing, you know, your mindset as as a CEO and what you're doing there at HSS, and um, you know, talking about the role of culture and and the things that you still have in front of you. So, you know, with that, uh, is is there any sort of final thought or reflection you might want to share with the with the audience? That's an obnoxiously open ended question, but I'll leave the floor to you. I think the healthcare industry is facing significant headwinds based on a variety of factors in the external environment. And I think it's incumbent upon us and uh, and others to make sure we're headed in the right direction. Um, 
there's a there's a there's a lot going on in 2022. There's a lot going on. That's true in all industries, but you know, healthcare is vulnerable. And people say it's broken, it needs fixed, this is good, this is bad. Um, and you know, everyone's trying to throw their two cents into it. You have um, organizations that weren't in healthcare before that are in healthcare. You have incumbents that are diversifying. You have um, new entrants into the market. You have organizations that are wielding great power because of their size and economic um, strength. You know, you just, um, future is unclear. Um, but I think that strong organizations that are focused in the right way can influence that. No one's, no one's going to, like, there's no magic wand to wave. There are some things that we're talking about today that are exactly the same things that Paul O'Neill was talking about when he formed the organization that he formed in Pittsburgh. Same thing, exactly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. different words. And you know, sometimes the pace of change inside the organization is painstakingly slowed. But the pain, the, the chase, the pace of change in the world is extremely fast. We got to catch up, otherwise the environment will take us over. Yeah. We're in control of our destiny. Well, Lou, thank you for uh, for being here today. I look forward to seeing what's in your future and and as you continue to control that destiny. Uh, Lou Shapiro, President and CEO of the Hospital for Special Surgery. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Habitual Excellence presented by Value Capture. We hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and please also rate and review it in your favorite podcast directory or app. To learn more about Value Capture and how we can help your organization on this journey to habitual excellence, visit our website at www.valuecapturellc.com.